I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. My lady wonder wench and I just came back from a quick trip to our favorite diner. It's in a college town nearby. And I, I kind of freaked because I couldn't figure out what was going on. Out of 13 couples we saw, only one couple was holding hands. It just seemed very much out of whack to me. <laughs> and my mind often jumps around from one thing to another, so I started wondering, what is this whack that some of us are so often out of, as in out of whack? And I got the answer when I sat down here in my big, manly, comfortable black leather poppet chair in my living room, and I started thumbing through Astronomy Magazine. It seems some astronomers call the formation of our moon the Big Whack because they figure something very big smacked into the earth a long time ago, and the stuff that flew off the earth eventually became the moon. Hmm. Evidently, that kind of thing happens a lot more than you'd think. They say that one day about 66 million years ago, a six-mile-wide asteroid slammed into the earth in shallow water off the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, and the explosion was as powerful as millions of nuclear bombs kicked up billions of tons of vaporized rock that filled the sky with dark clouds and it blotted out the sun for decades. And because there was no sunlight, the temperatures around the world dropped by around 50 degrees, which killed off the dinosaurs because there was nothing for them to eat, and their disappearance led to the rise of mammals, which is a fancy word for creatures that eventually became, yeah, us. <laughs> Seems timing is everything, because the smart guys in the white lab coats tell us that if that big rock had fallen just 30 seconds earlier or later, it would have landed in the deep part of the ocean, and so it wouldn't have created that cloud, which means most dinosaurs would have survived, and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now, because mammals probably wouldn't have happened. And that started me thinking about the fact that so many of the things that are very important seem to be just the product of chance, including us, human beings in general, you and my lady wonder wench and me in particular. On page 17 of my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available at Amazon.com, shameless plug, on page 17, I told you the true story of how some crazy clicks of chance brought me and my lady wonder wench together. Here's what it says. Santa brought me a portable radio when I was about seven years old. Click. I immediately became a disc jockey in training. I was listening to William B. Williams on WNEW and Big Wilson on WNBC in New York, and I loved it. WNBC and WNEW are big league stations. And the radio business is a bit like baseball. You start in the minors and you work your way up. So I worked my way up to WIBC in Indianapolis, which is a top-level AAA kind of station. Click. And then, for some reason, Al Hickok, who was the program director at WBZ in Boston at the time, 
fished around in a big box of audition tapes, and he came up with mine. And he liked it. Click. I was in the majors. And I was just a few clicks away from meeting my lady. She wanted to be a veterinarian when she was seven, but her family didn't have the money to send her to school for that. Click. So she became a secretary, a very good one. Click. She got a good job after high school as a secretary in the law office. A good job, but no tingle. Click. Her mother listened to WBZ all the time. Another click. And WBZ aired a commercial for a job opening one morning. Click. Her mom heard it and challenged my lady to try for it. Click. Which she did and she won. But WBZ was a big station. My lady worked during the regular business hours and I was the all-night disc jockey, so we never saw each other. Two more tiny clicks had to happen to make it work. Nobody at a radio station pays much attention to the all-night disc jockey because everybody's asleep when he's on the air. But one evening, all the WBZ DJs played a charity basketball game and the station's secretaries went to the game to be our cheerleaders. Almost all of them cheered for the daytime guys. But on those few occasions that I did anything right, I kept hearing one lovely, lusty cheer coming from a beautiful blue-eyed secretary with dangerous curves and such an amazing smile. Click. I've worked at bigger stations, WNEW and WNBC in New York, which were the stations I listened to on my little transistor radio when I was a kid. But WBZ is one of the most powerful stations in the country. So I was getting sacks full of mail every night, and I wanted to try to answer it. So I asked the head secretary if any of her staff would like to earn a few extra bucks, helping me out with the mail. (laughs) Guess who showed up for the gig? Click. Six details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's clicking around in your head, giving you agita out the other ear, and you can grab a grin and win. A true story in the news today. Las Vegas police say they have a surveillance video of three men stealing 30,000 condoms. That's 10,000 condoms per guy. Bet you those guys must be planning on having some kind of exhausting Vegas weekend. All right, if the answer is, you'll never be around to check it, so they make it up, what's the question? If the answer is, you'll never be around to check it, so they make it up, what is the question? Don't know, do you? Of course not, I'll tell you in a minute. Houdini, the famous magician, trained his dog to escape from a tiny pair of handcuffs. Kinky, kinky, kinky Houdini. Historians tell us that tablecloths were originally used as napkins. People used to wipe their hands and faces on them. My lady wonder wench kicks me under the table at the diner when I do that. And the smart guys at the aquariums tell us that jellyfish eat other jellyfish, which I guess is one definition of having friends for dinner. All right, if the answer is, you'll never be around to check, so they make it up. The question is, How can a computer come up with an answer that would take you thousands of years to figure out? You'll never be around to check, so they make it up. (laughs) Right. 
As Big Louie, the head guy of the Louie Louie generation, always says, if your computer keeps beating you at chess, change the game to kickboxing. <laughs> Digs the tales, they take your mind off your mind. little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or my spoken word story CDs at DickSummer.com or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available at Amazon.com, shameless plug, please tell a couple of friends, will you? Because they might like them too, and you would be doing me a favor. Thank you very much. So many important things seem to happen just by chance. How I met my lady wonder wench. Why one person gets sick and another person doesn't. Who dies in a terrorist attack? It feels kind of threatening that we have such little control over what happens to us. I guess that's why we make word cages to keep some control over the lions that growl around and scare us inside when we don't understand something. That's why most of the time we say it's all a matter of luck or divine providence or fate. You know, we make one of those word cages. There's a story in my bedtime story spoken word CD about a very big little thing that she didn't understand that may have changed a lady's life forever. You married Mr. Smalltalk, a nice, hard-working guy who sprays his car with air freshener and hangs his trousers up carefully before he makes love. His conversations are full of how's the weather, sports scores, kind of stuff that mostly fills empty spaces with sounds. He even asked you to marry him in Smalltalk. He said, we could get married if you like. You were in your late 20s and very tired of the dating game. You couldn't think of any particular reason to say no, so you said yes. Well, predictably, your marriage is like most of your conversations. Small talk casual. It's not bad, just sort of distant. And that's okay, because you like your space, and he's even got some money. You're a bright woman. You run your own business, and you ride your quarter horse in shows. You love the challenge of both. You set your own schedule, so you take time each day for a ride. The exercise feels good, and so does the teamwork that you and your horse are teaching each other. After your ride, you usually stop at a neighborhood diner for lunch and a few laughs with the other regulars. One of them is a flight instructor at the small airport down the road. You first noticed him because he was obviously trying not to notice you. He didn't stare. He just couldn't seem to stop his eyes from flicking your way. It surprised you because your everyday riding outfit is a pair of worn, stretchy jeans and an old, long-sleeved, blue turtleneck sweater under a plaid flannel shirt with a green down vest. You get muddy and sweaty when you ride, and your hair gets scrunched down inside your helmet. It's not exactly sexy. His opening line was, Hi, this place is pretty crowded today. Do you mind if I share your table? He's a very ordinary-looking guy. Average height. Worn brown leather jacket, couple of gray streaks and curly brown hair. Ray-Ban sunglasses, t-shirt, jeans, and scuffy sneakers. He said, I noticed that you're dressed for horseback riding. I had a horse. Most people don't understand how delicate they are for such big, powerful creatures. 
He spoke quietly and easily about how often horses die from things like a broken heart. He had the kind of deep, gravelly voice that would make you feel safe and comfortable if it were coming out of the PA system in an airliner in bad weather. You began to look forward to your lunchtime conversations. He had the kind of sense of humor that covers a deep, lonely streak, like a wound that is healed but still hurts. He's shy. He only talks about things that are important to him. Small talk is simply not his style. When he talks about the weather, it's with a pilot's respect for the life and death power of nature. But he certainly has a small life. His airplane, his collection of jazz CDs, and now his lunchtime meetings with you. He sees things that are too small for most people to notice, the way sunlight catches bits of dust in the air, the way your eyes change color when you laugh, the secrets the other diners are giving away with small changes in their body language. He's a widower. He's a little down on his luck. Flight instructors don't make very much money. Until last year, he was a co-pilot with an airline that didn't make it. His job crashed the day after his wife was killed in a traffic accident. Then one day he said, I might come out to watch you ride sometime after lunch. And today he did it. Nobody ever came out to watch you ride, even when you went to shows. He just stood outside the barn with his arms folded and... When he caught your eye, he smiled, and you were so surprised, you got off your horse, you ran over to him, and you wrapped both your arms around one of his, and you leaned your head against his shoulder. There was a trace of engine smell in the soft brown leather of his jacket, and more than a trace of surprise in his eyes. His arms automatically made a ring around your shoulders. Without thinking, you laid your cheek against his chest and you slipped your hand under his jacket and shirt and you were rubbing slowly up and down his back. He took a quick, deep breath that sounded like an old wound breaking open. And then without a word, he loosened his arms so you could step back if that's what you wanted to do. But you didn't. Because you couldn't move. The message in his eyes was steady and clear. If you stay where you are, Please, don't ever expect me to be just your friend. No confusion. No protection. No words. You knew you needed to speak. You needed to say no, but you couldn't. There was only the rustle of your breathing and his quiet heartbeat. And then a deep, powerful male sound came up from somewhere unprotected inside him. It wasn't a word, it was just a sound, but it filled all the space between you with a quick, soft shock. And you were suddenly safe, but warm and dangerously naked in his arms. The time for small talk in your life may be past.
she wasn't thinking when she jumped off her horse and ran her hand up his back. She didn't do it on purpose, but she did it. Her hand touching his back connected them. But what do you think? Was it really a matter of chance? The story is called Mr. Small Talk. It's from my spoken word story CD called Bedtime Stories. And if you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go on back to DickSummer.com. Check out the Bedtime Stories icon on the homepage. Fate, divine providence, just plain luck. I don't know. We don't really control all of the cards that are dealt to us in life. But we can, and sometimes we do, use some skills, some experience, and and hopefully some courage in getting on with our lives. As Big Louie, the head guy of the Louie Louie generation, says in my book, we sometimes don't have a lot of control about some of the things that happen to us, but we can have some control over what we think about what happens to us. You never can tell when something wonderful is going to happen. So if you got any moving parts left, for crying out loud, move them. That's good advice. And I guess that's what seemed so out of whack to me. I mean, watching all those young couples at the diner, only one out of the 13 young couples was holding hands. Most of them weren't even walking together. And sitting at their tables... They hardly seemed like they were paying any attention to each other. Some of them seemed like they were texting. (laughs) Maybe to the person at the other side of the table. I don't know. But I couldn't help wondering, what would have happened if one of the girls had run her hand up her guy's back? And would the guy have made that deep male sound like the pilot in the story? And how surprised would they have been connecting like that? Touching has a way of connecting us that goes way past words. That's why I always hold my lady's hand, always. It strengthens a very long-time connection between us. Let me give you a little, very personal note here. My lady Wonder Wench and I have a bedtime ritual. Puts things back in whack for us after a tough day. Every night I put on my white fedora and I become Story Man. I read to her for... 10 or 15 minutes. And then I give her about a 15-minute back rub. I really love the feeling when she lets go of the day's uptights and and just lets go all the way to sleep. It's a beyond-the-words connection. It means a lot to me. And as the pages keep dropping off the calendar, I can't help but realize that one morning, long way off, I hope, but one morning... One of us is going to wake up, and there'll be no hand to hold.
Okay. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.